all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Hey, are you looking for a show with no spin, with no jazz, without all the noise? Well, welcome. This is Joseph Brownlee, your host of Body of Christ Real Talk. If you're looking for that type of show and that type of action and some straight out real talk, real news, real Bible conversation, you have made it to the right podcast. Body of Christ Real Talk is for you. Love you all. Peace out. Stay tuned for Body of Christ Real Talk. All right. Hello, everyone. This is Joseph Brownlee, your host of Body of Christ Real Talk. Welcome to the show. All right, all right. Hello, everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Good morning, good mid-morning, good afternoon, good mid-afternoon, good evening, good mid-evening. And to all my night listeners, hello, woo, 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 to Body of Christ, real talk. I want to talk about something that's kind of what I've been dealing with for the last, I would just say, month or so. And it's good news. It's nothing bad. You know, it's nothing bad. What I want to talk about. uh, Well, let me go back to what I was talking about. uh, You know, uh, the series that I was talking about. You know, what is a real Christian? I gave it the name later on down the line. What is a real Christian? And for the ones that don't know anything about it, or if you're just tuning in to my show, or just doing a little drive-through, or just happen to run into my show, go back to my last four or five previous shows, and you'll know what I'm talking about when it comes to Christianity. I get into a lot of scenarios and different things and topics about Christianity. And that being, because I want people to understand, as well as myself, what it, what it is and what's needed to be a Christian and what is a real Christian. Now, I got off on all of this because of a survey I seen on YouTube one time about young men, why young men and women are leaving the church, etc. and stuff like that and whatever. I'm not going to get into that now. I, all these things that I'm talking about, they are on my show. And I just recommend you to go back to my show or get the link to my show and just look at the the last seven or eight, nine podcasts. You know, that's the best I can tell you because I hit different areas. I hit different topics and subjects pertaining to Christianity, containment to uh, the, the term Christian and stuff like that. Uh, what is the what is the body of Christ? What what's the difference between being a Christian and in the body of Christ, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and things like that? So for you to go back, for you to get some uh, knowledge on that or some understanding on that, please go back to my last 
previous four or five or even beyond that podcast, go to check out my podcast period. I would like for you to even subscribe to it, uh, my podcast, and because it's very enlightening, uplifting things on that podcast, okay, on, on my show. All right. Yesterday, I got into I, I, not a conclusion because this can go a long way, but I talked about two types of uh, traditions. I talked about worldly traditions and different things like that in our worldly life and traditions we have been taught through our life, uh, through our cultures, through our uh, schools, through our churches and stuff like that, and how much tradition dictates how we think, how we eat, how we walk. Uh, so if you want to, that's about a couple of podcasts back. And I got in how traditions have conditioned us, whether they're good or bad or bad, how traditions have conditioned us. And uh, so I hit different areas of life and everything. And this very, for the ones that know what I'm talking about, the majority, I believe, the majority of the things that we have learned and the way we think and how we talk, we got it from, we mimicking tradition or was taught, uh, taught those things by tradition, consciously or unconsciously. What I mean by that, you was either literally taught bad face-to-face or some type of school or whatever or conversation or you were just taught by looking and being around a lot of other areas and things and cultural. So a lot of things we have learned, we learn from mimicking traditions or cultures and stuff like that. And you can prove that yourself if you, especially the youngsters, I'm not going to talk about the youngsters yet, but I'm going to basically talk about the baby boomers, you know, from uh, 60s and, you know, all the way up. I don't know when it started with the baby boomers, so I'm not going to be making up nothing, but I know the about in the 60s, early 60s or mid 60s, that was kind of the end of the baby boning, booming area. And that's the area I was born in 1964, which considered the baby booming years. So let's just talk about the baby boomers years, the 60s, on up to the Generation X and et cetera. It's so many different uh, uh, terms they call it now. I don't even know what term it is, but I just remember those two, uh, baby boomers and Generation X. If you was born in those times even before that okay if he was born in those times and you know and when you entered the world where you came to puberty in the sense of understanding and languages and stuff like that or you know uh visual things or whatever like that when you start growing up and seeing certain things this just proves what i'm talking about of course, nine times out of ten, the first face you see is what? If you could picture, make a story, and you think about when you was birthed, okay, and you hear the story, the first face, the first face a baby or a child sees is their mother's face, you know, or their dad's, whatever like that. A lot of times... Some of that is true, but the majority of the time it's not because usually the first face the baby see is that nurse or that doctor that's taking the baby out. So that's the first face usually the baby see. If they have some type of memory, some babies might have more memories than others. You know, I don't have no study on that or nothing, but I'm just using this as an example. Uh, 
So it's really not the mom and dad. You know, I'm talking about a, parent, a two parent home, a mother and dad. Usually the baby is not, I mean, the mom and dad face is not the first face the baby see, the child see, or you and I see. If you want to be very specific and tech, technical about it, it's usually what? That nurse and the doctor. They put them in an the incubator or whatever like that, and then the parents come in to see it. So parents usually are the third or the fourth probably person that that baby see if that baby had one of those photogenic memories, you know. This stuff I'm just making up or whatever like that. But you got to think about that because we always say the, the mom and dad's the first uh, face the baby see. No, actually it's the, the nurse and the doctor who ever, uh, you know, brought the baby out of the womb and everything like that. Okay, my point is, as we got older, you know, as we got older and everything, the majority of the faces we've seen after that is our parents' face. I'm talking about a, a, a normal parent, two-parent, uh, I don't know, it's, it's different exceptions for one-parent homes, but I'm talking about a two-parent home, okay? We see our parents' house, uh, face, mom and dad. Now, the majority of the face, uh, traditionally, we uh, the babe child see is usually the mother over the day because the mother the one do the breastfeeding they carry the baby and they feed them and stuff like that they're more of the nurturer so the baby see more of the mother's face than the dad either way it goes it sees both of them so the older we get I don't know when a child starts learning and catching on to things I don't have no idea you know about that you know uh, I think only God really knows exactly doctors and scientists they can speculate but I think mostly uh, uh, God only knows that but just say when the baby when we start learning uh, or comprehending certain things we have to be taught and who's the first teacher? Now listen closely when I say who's the first teacher? The majority of us, what do we hear? And what was the, usually the first language we heard? Now this is, I'm trying to be funny at this. We heard a lot of which is not a language, it's not a language at all, but that's the majority of the sounds that a lot of us probably heard. Is that language, and we laughed, and we made those faces, and no teeth, toothless, and everything. <laughs> we smile at something that didn't make no sense. You could say, I'm good, 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 and you laugh, even though you had no idea what the parents said, <laughs> okay? But those the sounds that we heard, you know, whatever, as we got older, uh, you know, we have, we've been taught certain things. Now, What did do I believe most babies learn first when they get to that age like one year old or something like that? Like I said, I don't know the specific, it depends on each child. You know, what's I wonder what's the the uh the percentage of when a child or what a child learn or how they learn. Do they learn more from visual or they learn more from uh, audio, you know, in the voice of what's going on, how they how they was taught, they hear things or whatever like that. So I can say they probably uh, because the growth of the eyes and different things like that, the comprehension of what is what, the comprehension of colors and stuff like that, all that is visual, all that is visual. 
So I believe, you know, we probably hear uh, audibly from the parents' mouths because the majority of the time is going to be the parents unless the parents have other kids or something like that. But I'm just going to keep it on the parents and that child, you know, uh, case scenario. So it depends on the size of the family, what a child comprehends or what a child sees and understands. And as you think about that, and as I think about that, let me speak for myself. As I think about that, when my comprehension got stronger, my knowledge increased a little bit, you know, it increased a little bit. Slowly but surely, depends on the child. The knowledge increases a little bit. So we start hearing those voices. We start understanding voices more. It takes a while for us to comprehend our name comprehend or understand what our name means before we respond to respond to a name you know we don't just come out and just say i'm gonna uh uh parents i'm gonna call this baby joseph which is my name or deborah or whatever i'm using my family's name and you understand it right off the way because your comprehension and stuff like that is not up to par yet you it's still in development stage but i'm talking about to the stage you start grasping of what your name is you know what I'm saying and like I said some children infants catch on faster than others you know so I can't I'm not I'm not doing we all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions and it's because that occasional shave really hurts it's the time of year for big occasions and yet there he is suffering with that cheap drugstore razor let's help him out Henson Shaving's line of razors built with aerospace precision deliver a smooth shave your dad brother and even son can enjoy eventually with replacement blades just 10 cents each you'll buy it once and they'll use it for life how's that for the perfect gift celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase and no subscription headaches hensonshaving.com slash holiday it's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. I'm not a psychologist or nothing like that. This is just, you know me, I do real talk and I just use common sense. And that's what I'm using. I'm not looking at, I haven't looked at no data or nothing, you know, and which I should have done that. But it, that don't mean it's going to be sci scientifically really true. So I'm just using experience and common sense, you know. If you know what I'm saying, so don't think I'm under psychologist and everything. Just just bear with me. So which one you understand? You understand audible voices or you understand visual first? Which one comes first? I don't know. It depends on the child. So you, I have no idea. I don't think many do either. You know, <clears throat> so just some kids catch on faster than others. Okay, fast forwarding. What we learn. It's not self-learned from ourselves unless we are really gifted. And you have special gifted children. But the, the normal child learn from who they're around or what they hear or what they see. Whether it's the parents, whether it's the babysitter. I'm not talking about getting older. 
whether it's the babysitter, whether it's whatever, they got sisters and brothers, whatever, whatever, the child is around. Just say, for instance, if you're the only child, you learn on what you're around. The parents, maybe a babysitter, maybe grandma, grandpa, something like that. But if you have a family, one, two, three, four brothers, you got extra learning. It might not be the correct learning, you know, but it's extra learning. You learn different words, you start catching on more, and you see things visually. You, you understand what I'm saying? So from infancy all the way up to a teenage and adulthood, you can see where I'm going. What we have learned is from our surroundings and stuff like that. We didn't come out knowing nothing. We were stupid. <laughs> Not as in slow, but I just mean we didn't know nothing unless you just very gifted. And that's very rare when a child is so specially gifted. But I'm just talking about a normal child learn from what's around them. They don't just come out of the womb knowing all this stuff. You, you see what I'm saying? Now you could just fast forward and you can see all the stuff that you had when you start going to elementary school, maybe a daycare, elementary school, kindergarten. If some schools have kindergarten, then you go to mid school, then you go to uh, high school. Then if you if you make go to college, if you went to college, but I'm just going to go that that far as high school. Like myself, I only went to ninth grade. But as I went as far as the ninth grade, even though I only made it through the ninth grade, others made it higher. Their learning percentage is no different than mine, even if they graduated and I didn't, because we're the same age. But my point is, just imagine, which we cannot, how much knowledge and junk, good and bad, that's been, that's, we have been embedded with from someone else. You see what I'm saying? The teachers of the school, different teachers, grandma, brothers and sisters, if you have something, whatever, like their friends, all this knowledge we have gathered in us. Even now you're at the church. If you went to church from infancy and stuff like that, we have so much gathering that's in us, you know. The rest of it is something we self-learned ourselves, but the majority of it is mimicked or we learned from somebody else and somebody has told us when we was a child, this is the way to walk, this is the way to talk, this is the school I want you to go to, this is what you need to be learning, This you need to believe in this, you don't need to believe in this, these are the type of friends you need to have. You see what I'm saying? We was taught, always told what's best for us, especially when we was infants. And we carried a lot of that with us as we went into teenage and adulthood. Still, until you start sprouting up, sprouting out, and learning things yourself. So, just think about from infancy all the way, just say to 25 years old, how much we have sucked in of everybody else's knowledge, and that only so much a little of our own discoveries and uh, comprehension ourselves it was all it was the majority of the time is what somebody else have planted in us so my point is when tradition starts setting in the way 
you're supposed to do, the way you should do this. So you got that now, you in a, uh, depends on your environment, you in the culture world. And it depends what type of culture or uh, demographic area you was brought in, and whether you're white or black, Latino, whatever like that. It could be a well, decent neighborhood, or it could be more of a ghetto, or it could be more like a hood, or it could be more that a lot of people, if you live in a country, you don't live around a lot of people. Either way it go, those demographics is going to affect you and I. The way we think, the way we see things. See? If you live in a southern country like Mobile, Alabama, or Mississippi, or Tennessee, or Louisiana, Georgia, you're going to carry that accent, that cultural Ebonics accent. Well, it's not really Ebonics, but you're going to carry that accent. If you live up in the northern hoods like Manhattan and whatever, even, you know, uh, the more, you know, northern cities, you're going to have a different accent. You see what I'm saying? So... All this stuff that we have, we've learned from society, the talk, the walk, how we think, what we see, was mainly taught by somebody else, even the church, of what, what, which direction to go, which way to go, even in your tests, this test is best for you. If you go this left, you're going to fail. If you go to the right, you're going to succeed. If you follow this test this way, this is the way to pass the test, this is the way to do this, this is the way to eat and all this. This is the way best for us. You see what I'm saying? So the majority of our learning, and this is me, this is my opinion. You could disagree, but just show me how could you. I'm not saying the things we learned on our own. I'm not knocking the, I'm not saying we never learned nothing on our own or we wasn't gifted with stuff. I'm not saying that because a lot of us was, but I'm just saying the majority of our learning and perception was usually coerced, you know, uh, coerced by us participating in groups or just what we see. You'd be amazed how many things we have learned just by looking at things and listening at things because you have the television, you have the radio, you have everything. They all are teachers, good and bad. See, good and bad. They all are teachers. We sleep on music. We meditate on music. We keep movies in our head. We have been coerced and trained, see, by conditions and traditions. See, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We told breakfast was the most important meal of the day. I, I talked about that the other day. And where did that format come from? Who said that? See, who said it really was? Didn't I say, was it, no, was, is it in the Bible? You know, I was asking those questions in my previous shows and everything like that. But we was coerced and, uh, and uh, trained to believe that this was the way to eat. And different things like that. This is the best diet. These are many calories you should be eating a day. You should need to be taking these vitamins and stuff like that. So we've been, a lot of the stuff, what we learn through society, through churches, through schools. And then we learn from friends. We learn from cultures. Depend, and, and that depends on the demographic that we have been brought up in. I hope a lot of you are following what I'm saying now. But. That's what I was talking about or trying to get my listeners to understand 
when it, when it comes to uh, uh, traditions, you see. And some people, it's hard for them to get out of con- tradition. They are so conditioned. They're stuck in a traditional uh, standstill that it's hard for them to get out of. Now, some traditions, it's good to stay in it. But I'm talking about the bad traditions. And then I talked about some traditions need to be just stopped. They should have been stopped a long time ago. They just don't work for each generation. You know, Christianity or each dispensation. Some things just should be stopped because it does not work for certain cultures because the advancement of knowledge, the advancement of technology, the advancement of body changes because the different things they put in food compared to the things they put in food over 50 to 100 years ago is just changed. Laws came, you have devious ways people do things, and you have people think they know what they're doing, so things change. So something, what worked yesteryear, I like to say, uh, might not work today. And it's a reason why, because things change, bodies change, perceptions change. See, I was talking about all of that, okay? These things will help us for today. Some people, especially in family households, feel that they need to stay in their tradition. They need to stay in their tradition. They, they find it hard to break out of traditional beliefs. And it don't have to be religious or even Christianity all the time. It's just a certain tradition that your family tree followed. Some people are very strong on keeping a family tree. You see? And they feel if they step off that family tradition, they feel like they, they violated because sometimes they was told that or they were just they just felt they, they they just violated because some family trees are very strict. And it also depends on your culture. You have the black culture, they got certain traditions. You have the Jewish culture, they have certain traditions. You have the Latino, Hispanic cultures, they have certain traditions. You know, the Caucasians got certain uh, traditions. You have the Asian have certain traditions, family traditions. People, some people live and die with family traditions. Some are good, a lot of them are bad. Traditions, you see what I'm saying? And some people, uh, a lot of us rebelled from tradition for a good reason or for a bad reason. It depends on the tradition. And uh, because we got tired of it, we seen things wasn't happening. We, we, or we just matured and we found other ways. We learned to think for ourselves. We found new ideas. We found there is another way besides the, this way that I have been brought up in or what the government told me or what mom and dad said was best for me. I'm finding other ways. It's a good and bad with that. The good is if you just say, uh, you find out that, you know, okay, there's other things and mom and dad might have not been always right, but I knew they meant well, but, you know, society know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions and it's because that occasional shave really hurts 
It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. There's only one road into Key West. But you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat. Or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. It's changing now. I need to go learn things that's better for me now. I don't have to stay in this tradition. Or it can be uh, you got into something else, you know, drugs or a certain lifestyle, you know, whatever like that, a sexual change or whatever like that. I don't mean physically, but I'm just saying it depends. Or you just found something intellectual you like to get in or some type of religion. You know, that's why I say it's good, bad ways that people break away from family or cultural traditions. You know, that's what, since the fall of man, since the fall of man, when sin came into the world, we was not under, we broke fellowship, but Adam broke fellowship with God, our creator. Since the fall of man, man became selfish and start creating their own ideas and man-made traditions. Knowledge over, knowledge starts spreading and good, knowing that you had, the man had a conscience of good and evil, right and wrong, so knowledge started increasing. And the majority of the knowledge that was increasing wasn't godly knowledge, it was man-made knowledge. So ever since the fall of man, man started doing things and creating things on their own, outside of God. Since the fall of man. You, you follow what I'm saying? You know, you can go to any culture, a rich culture or a poor culture. And you better believe it, baby. They have a tradition or they have a certain tradition that's conditioning when they believe. Even with the indigenous people uh, in another country that you don't have nowhere, they just out of nowhere. Nobody really know where they live. They got their own type of what, you know, surroundings. Therefore, they do have a, they have a tradition. They have a tradition. And basically, that's all they know of. That's the only way they know, whether it's the way they eat or certain religious rituals because I don't know too many uh, countries small or big don't have some type of religious ritual or religious tradition traditions is powerful something you believe on that works for you passed down majority of time from families or is just self made either way it goes somebody created a certain type of tradition you know they either follow their tradition or they just leavened it up and added their own type of traditions with their tradition I talked a little bit about that you know you have the um, 
the different things that denominations and started from, from Martin Luther, the Lutherans, the Lutheran Church. Then you have the John Calvin, the Calvinist movement, the different Calvinist belief. You have the dispensational belief with the Darby's and stuff like that, you know, following on the, uh, based on the beliefs of the Apostle Paul. Then you have the, the Pentecostal holiness beliefs. I'm talking about churches now, different things like that. You have a certain belief that people have grabbed that traditional belief. But believe me, through 10, 20, 30, 40, and 50, 60 years of believing in that certain person, you cannot tell me they didn't add their own stuff to it, their own traditions up to that. And remember when I said even John Calvin, and I don't agree with his theology, probably wouldn't agree with a lot of theologies that cause themselves Calvinists because they added so much more to it. And I, I can almost, if I was a betting man, would say that even if John Calvin, Martin Luther, and all those so-called uh, theology, theological beliefs and uh, ideologies that most of the denominational churches follow, even dispensationalists, there has been some tweaking for the good or for the worse, for the good or for the bad. It never stays the same. When man get a hold of something, they don't stay at one accord. They always feel they got to add or take away. That's just how man is since the fall. It's the, they would say John Calvin is our founder, but if you go from John Calvin all the way back to uh, what a lot of Calvinists teach today, it's probably very different than what John Calvin meant for it to be or Martin Luther or, you know, whatever. Now, some traditional beliefs uh, just need to be revised and tweaked. Remember I was talking about that. They mean knowledge increased. So what was said by uh, them, the Calvinists there or uh, dispensational Luther uh, there was saying then sometimes it might be revised or tweaked for better because of the uh, more knowledge. That depends if it's sound doctrine. That depends if it's the teachings of the Apostle Paul's doctrine from Jesus when it comes to that. See, let me give you an example. If Luther, Calvin, Swingley, all those uh, 1500 uh, ministered the, uh, the Reformation guys, you know, if it wasn't in line with the teachings of Paul from the get-go, it ain't going to be in line today if they didn't revise it and tweak it and put it right back where it's supposed to be. You see what I'm saying? So if it was false teaching then, now I'm not talking about salvation because I can't pinpoint if these guys are saved or not. I'm, I'm just going to say I believe they was, but that doctrine got splattered and uh, porked up down the line. So, which doctrine are the denominational churches following The ref when it comes to the Reformation? Is they're following uh, Luther's doctrine, the 95 Thesis, and I don't know too much about that, or he, his discovery, not his discovery, when he discovered uh, that you get saved by faith alone, or do the Lutheran church today follow only that now if they follow only that and not the other teachings of Paul's book because there's more than Romans to that there's more teachings of Paul through that 
But if they start mixing it up and they start putting that with the kingdom program, whatever like that, then it ceased to be the gospel, you know, period. It ceased to be the gospel. Why? Because they called themselves Lutheran for the Reformation. Now, what? Because I heard Lutheran, some people say he was anti-Semitic. I don't know, whatever. But he went, uh, kind of started going left or whatever like that. He became more radical or what? I don't know. A lot of a lot of those things happened. But my point is, what is the Lutheran church doctrine based on? Is it all what Martin Luther was teaching or that working thing? And I believe the majority of it was man-made or traditional add-ons to Luther teaching the same as Calvin the same as anyone that uh, uh, called themselves Calvinists or Lutherans or Catholics or whatever like that what 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 theology are you following and is it important what theology is you're following yes I believe it's very important why because if it's not lined up with sound doctrine of what the Apostle Paul is teaching what Jesus told Pastor Paul to teach it doesn't make any difference it's just a lot of religion it's just a lot of uh, leaven you understand what I'm saying now let me digress uh, so I won't get too far off track like I usually do what we have learned we learn and learned or mimicked from our surroundings from infancy all the way up to a certain age. Now, uh, some of us, you know, start getting out of certain traditions and start, you know, uh, not believing whatever. It comes to a point where you need to mature, where you need to question. Now, to each individual, uh, when did you start? You don't know. I can't. I can't pinpoint a day, but it came to a time you start questioning, not believing everything. It comes to the point where you stop believing or what everybody say was best for you. But you have some people just always under the tutelage or the roof of a certain belief, and they live and die in that, and they don't grow. They don't know nothing out. They don't know nothing about the world. You got people that lives in a city, even in Chicago, never been downtown. They are stuck in their surroundings. Well, I wouldn't go downtown either now the way things are now, but I'm just saying in general, even in decent, quiet uh, uh, cities or states, you have people just stay home. They just believe that they can shouldn't go nowhere. They still live with mom and dad at the age of 50-some years old, I believe some people are. Is that a tradition? No, it's not so much a tradition. It's just uh, somewhat, I believe, has to do a lot with the parenting. And the parent, a lot of the parenting never even, you know, taught their kids how it is to be outside the, uh, the house let alone outside that city or outside so they get stuck like that now a lot of this is not done purposely there some are some people keep their kids staying there they never let their kids go so it just depends so what they going what learning is that child going to get only what their parents told them or, or what schools or what neighborhood that's all they know because they've never been outside the box 
So it's different reasons why some people are like they are. It's hard to get out of a certain tradition when it tradition is easy to get out if you don't get conditioned in it. Once you get conditioned in it, you get settled and complacent. It's hard to change your thinking. Oh, boy. The way you was brought up to think. It's hard to change it once you are conditioned. It's hard to get out of that. Okay. All right. Now, I want to talk about uh, two things that as a believer we need to get out of. Two things. There's more but I'm going to talk about these two. I'm not saying these are the only two. Uh, but there's two things we need to try our best to get out of. And I'm going to talk about that when I come back. Let's take a break. Okay, I'm back. That's two things. Now, I can talk about three or four of them. But I just want to talk. I don't know. I just, I just feel compelled to talk about these two because that's what basically I've been talking about on the show, you know, to keep a little excitement going. But I think this can help us. Two things that's kind of alike. I'm going to use them because both of these uh, topics that I'm going to talk about has the same type of traditional Upbringing, and you might um, you might want to know what are those two things are. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy. Eventually, with replacement blades just ten cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with one hundred free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com/slash holiday. We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, it's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA, what you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply. Now, this is my definition of these two things. And you notice when I say my definition is from the, uh, the little bit of study that I have learned and it's my own adding on with experience of all what I have seen. So this is uh, out of my lens. <laughs> what I have seen, I have noticed as I've been observing life through my life, you know, uh, through my life of through my life and my lifestyle and the ups and downs and the down and ups and whatever want to call it. This is my experience, you know, what I have been seeing and learning. And then it, it, it goes, goes as far as what I have been learned. I have learned so much in these last three years. You know, last three years because so much has been going on with the pandemic and the, uh, the COVID-19, the virus and the vaccines, whatever like that. I have doubled my knowledge, see, and my uh, my researching ways and stuff like that. So this is based on that. that. That's what made me look back at how life is and the cards that have been played on us. 
on us, you know, and everything. So this is, you know, the pandemic has been, it was a nightmare. And, uh, but it wasn't all nightmare for me because I've learned so much. It made me do my research. It made me question things anymore. It made me question systems and traditions, you know, and sadly said made me mistrust so many things now. So I question things and I just don't fall for gimmicks and traditions like I used to. It's still a work in progress, but I am much better at it now. So that's why I can see things a little better, you know. And it was, it had to take somewhat of a, not, yeah, I could say somewhat, because a lot of people lost their lives through the pandemic and stuff like that, and viruses and, and uh, uh, the bad vaccines. Yes, bad vaccines, deadly bioweapons. That's what they are, you know. So it helped me to grow and ask questions and stuff like that. So, but I'm not going to get into that. But I just want you all to know. Uh, that's why I look at things where I look at now. Yeah. Okay. Two of these things that uh, that I you I'm going to use myself, and I I'm just recommending this to you guys or ladies and gentlemen that uh, in the United States and around the world. This is what I'm I'm using for now on in my life. You know. Two of these things is spiritual and physical. Remember I talked about my face? I'm going to dwell on these two. I might do the other ones later, but these two are two of the most important ones to me. My spiritual walk and my physical. Spiritual and physical. I believe if both of those are out of whack, your emotionally, emotionally and mentally is going to affect you. You know, it's going to affect you. The financial part—that's a whole new different things. But I believe if we don't, we, we if we don't have ourselves together spiritually, I'm talking to believers. I'm talking to the church now, the body of Christ, spiritually and physically. We're going to struggle mentally and emotionally. See? Because those things bring some type of emotion, some type of uh, vulnerability. Even to the point of sickness. You can be sick in the spirit and sick physically. You, you see what I'm saying? So those are very, those are two most important things when I look at my life now. You know? You may say, what I mean spiritually, physically, if you're married, if whatever like that, you can look at it in that way, but just think about it. Whether you're single or whether you're married, it will affect you if we don't take care of these things. See, I have to really look into this. If we don't take care of these things, it will affect us some way. Okay? Let's look at... Uh, Traditions, traditions spiritually. First, let's look at tradition spiritually. If you are a believer, or just, let me just say, I'm talking to the believers in the body of Christ. If you are a believer and you you want to grow in Christ. You are hungry. You want to get closer to Christ. You want to know the knowledge of the Christ, knowledge of Jesus. You want to know the mind of God. 
Now there's nothing mystic or nothing uh, forbidden by God because God because God wants us to know the mind of Him, which is the mind of Christ. Mind of Christ is the mind of God. So God wants us to know that His the, the teachings of Paul tell us that all through His books. See, and you're searching for the knowledge and the mind of God. You're searching what you want me to do, Lord. How should I do this? How should I speak? How should I talk to people? How can I grow fruits and stuff like that? Okay. Now, it also depends how long you have been saved. If you have been saved from a Just say 20 years. You have been saved for 20 years. You're part of the body of Christ. Just think about this. This is not a fact, but just think about this. If you have been saved for 20 years, you you think about it this way. How often... No, let me say this. What church have you been going to? What churches have you been attending? Has it been the same denomination? I'm saying this for a reason. Has it been the same denomination? What denomination it is, only you just know your denomination. I don't know. I'm just putting it out there. You know what denomination you have grew up in, if it's a denomination. Most churches grew up in the denomination, saved and unsaved. Were spiritually bred in the denominational church. Okay. You say for 20 years and just say, for instance, you was spiritually uh, taught in the denominational church. OK, be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself. Not how much you like the teaching or how good or how bad they treated you. But be honest with yourself. How much of what uh, you have learned on your own about the Bible since you've been saved. How much knowledge you have got from the Bible just reading it and the Holy Spirit showed you, you know, certain directions, what is the gospel, what is this and everything like that on your own. If you looked at it in a percentage-wise, would you, how, what would you put yourself on a scale of 1 to 10 of what knowledge you got from the Bible compared to what knowledge you got from your pastor or teacher that told you what the Bible said. Now, you have to be honest with yourself. Also, you must understand most denominational church or all denominational church is usually a traditional taught church. They choose, they teach a certain doctrine that was traditionally taught to them. Whatever church it is, I don't know. Whatever church it is, we all been there. It's a, it's a, it's a lot of doctrine, and majority of it is man-made traditions. I'm not saying all of it. That's why I said I believe the majority of it is man-made traditions. On one to ten, how much of your knowledge of the Bible came from the Bible itself and Holy Spirit led? compared to what your pastor or your teachers or your mom and dad taught you, especially if it was a family church. From one to ten. 
what you know in those 20 years about the word of God? Is it your own knowledge you found out yourself through the knowledge of the, through the inspired word from the Holy Spirit or from your church denominational creed or traditions or what your pastor said? Just think about that. This is not a trick question or nothing. Just think about that. If, if what you, you've been in the church 20 years, 30 years, just imagine a person or even you belonging to a church for 30 years, a denominational church, whatever church it is. That's the all you, you since infancy, you was in that church, whatever denomination it is. See, think about your denomination. I want you to do that. Whatever denomination it is, think about it. If you've been in that church that long for 30 years, I know people have been longer. They was born in those churches. You Could you think of a time that you just got home and just, I'm going to read the Bible and see what God is really saying to me, not what my pastor told me or not what my my uh, Sunday school or my small group classes or whatever like that, or I might be some type of teacher myself. Okay, if I learn the things, if I'm in a teaching program and I'm teaching other students, and that church that I've been in 20 to 30 years, is what I'm teaching them strictly from the Bible, what I have learned, or is from, or am I teaching a church tradition or what the, the church said we, sh- we should teach the children? That's, a, that's probably a question you've never been asked before. That's probably a question you've never been asked before. You, you think about that. Remember I said it was good traditions and bad traditions, but when it come to the church, you can't just look at good and bad traditions, how it make you feel. You have to look at, are you being taught sound doctrine? The gospel and sound doctrine, okay? But just think about your teaching and your spiritual upbringing in your church the four wall church denominational church a scale of one to ten how much of your knowledge of the bible came from you just reading and you discovering these things on your own with the guidance of the holy spirit or just you just discovered things on your own you thought it was the holy spirit because that happens a lot most of the times too you know or it was from what your pastor said that these certain verses and scriptures meant, or even history. If you're honest with yourself, and I want you to be honest, you don't feel bad or, you know, whatever like that. It's just if you're honest with yourself, put yourself on a one to ten scale, especially if you are still in a denominational church. I'm not saying you haven't found out and learned things on your own now, but I'm just saying What is the majority of your belief? 
we all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. And now, an Etsy holiday gifting mission. Today's episode, Operation Delivered on Time. Here's the situation. The holidays are coming up, which means you're on a mission to buy handcrafted gifts. But you're worried they may not be delivered on time, so you need peace of mind if something goes wrong with your delivery. Impossible, right? Not this year, because you're shopping for gifts on Etsy. Etsy is where everyone can find handmade items from independent shops. It's also the place where you know your gifts will be delivered by the seller's estimated delivery date or your money back. Whether you're searching for handmade home pieces like serveware, cutting boards, and throw pillows, or personalized items like necklaces, handbags, and seasonal jackets. Etsy has it and has your back if something goes wrong with delivery. New to Etsy? Use the code HOLIDAY10 for 10% off your first purchase. That's code HOLIDAY10. Maximum discount value of $50 expires December 31st, 2023. See terms at etsy.com slash terms. To claim refunds, see requirements and exclusions at etsy.com slash legal slash buyers. Etsy has it. Shop etsy.com. The traditions of the church or what the Bible is saying? Tough question, isn't it? Tough question. How do you know what your pastor, and I'm not putting nobody pastors down. This is just a test. This is just, this is just a test. I'm, I'm, I'll do that with myself too. How, you have a question? Let me ask this. Something your pastor was teaching that it was contrary to what the word of God was saying in your Bible? Have you ever questioned it? Not ask the pastor, but have you ever questioned some of their teachings? If you be honest with yourself now. And you kind of doubt it what your pastor was saying. It depends also on your church. You have the Pentecostals, you have the Catholic Church, you have the uh, the Lutheran, the Methodists, you have the Charismatics, you have the Universal, you have the Oneness. It, it don't matter. Whatever church you are in, now some of these churches I named, they're not part of the body of Christ anyway, okay? But if you are in that church, you got to deal with your salvation. But my point is, whatever denomination you are in, How much of the knowledge of the Bible that you have is from your pastor compared to you getting that knowledge out of the Bible yourself? Do your pastor just about get the hand feed you all the time? Do you call your pastor a lot about just about every situation, even your marriage? Now, I'm not saying these things are wrong. Don't, don't get me wrong. And then sometimes they're not right either. But my point is, how uh, how much do you uh, rely on the word of your pastor to tell you what the Bible is saying or interpret the Bible for you? Or do you just question it and you look at things yourself? You have to be honest with yourself. 
See? Now, remember what I said. Every denomination has a tradition. Every denominational church has a tradition. Some of them long, long traditions. I'm not talking about the new churches coming up with all kinds of new names and stuff like that. I'm talking about the old traditional churches. People that have been in churches 20 and 30 years. See, what family churches, I can understand why you've been in a family church. You might disagree, but you don't want to leave because I heard a person tell me that before. Because you don't want to upset your mom, your father, your dad or whatever like that. So you stay there. Then you have the traditional church that you just love it. You love that type of teaching. If you go to another church, you feel out of place because they don't teach what your church teach. You find yourself in a predicament like that. You won't even step foot in another denomination. Now, some denominations do intertwine. Like the Church of Great and the Baptist, once in a while we did. Yes, uh, Church of God and Christ and the, and the Baptist, we did. But I'm saying you got some churches... Rather, they might intermingle. They don't really want you just going to their church, another denomination. They want you to stand on what their church teaches. Are you in a church like that? Are you in a church that knock and put down other denominations? Even though they're a denomination themselves? Are you in a church like that? See, either way it go, you are in a traditional church. We was in a traditional church. See? Now, you shouldn't have a hard time answering it, but if you don't, I can no, I I, see, I, let me speak for myself. First of all, pre-salvation, before I got saved, I, I was, since tiny, I was spiritually birthed in the church of God in Christ which is a Pentecostal church okay that's pre-salvation before I was saved when I was little the Pentecostal church was very strict on church attendance like a lot of Baptist churches and a lot of other churches as well and Catholic churches as well so the Pentecostal church was very strict on attendance, especially when when the family, especially if it's a family church. What do I mean by family church? I mean the family, the church started with a family member. The family member was the pastor of the church, and then a lot of the family went there plus other members. That's what I grew up in. See, my granddad, my grandpapa, we called him, was our pastor. The name of the church was the Church of uh, Church of God and uh, Church of Rock of Ages. The Church of God in Christ. So I was brought up in a family church. I didn't have no other pastor then but my grandpapa, my grandpapa, my granddaddy was my pastor on my dad's side. He was my pastor. So I grew up and was embedded spiritually in the Church of God in Christ. The name of the church was the First Rock of Ages Church. The family went to that church. See? The family only heard the teachings of the denominational teachings and the trainings of the Church of God in Christ was was always black black church. So I didn't I didn't, I didn't it would be weird to just see white people in the uh, in the church growing up. But the church was predominantly uh, always predominantly women, even like today. 
predominantly female, strong women, strong mothers of the church, we call them. Those church growing up, everybody walked to the bathroom with the one finger up when you have to go to the bathroom. I never had no idea what that meant then, till later on. You know, I'm going to the bathroom, going to the restroom. I used to make jokes about laying on, laying on down the line. Okay, what about if you put two fingers up? Do that mean you're going to number two? <laughs> I just made that up later. But tradition, see, Pentecostal church that I grew up was full of traditions and rituals. Pre-salvation. See, we had different programs. We have pastoral services that has pastor anniversaries. We had choirs. You know, it didn't matter if you knew how to sing or not. You can act like you chew gum as long as you was in that choir. See, just about everybody was forced to join a choir. Not on your talent of of singing, because a lot of us didn't have no singing. I always knew how, you know, uh, we was, it's a few of us in the Brownlee family, we could hold a tune. But I'm talking about, you know, most of us can sing, but you have some mothers in there can sing. You have some preachers in there that can sing. And the majority of the time, they sung the same songs. But they was traditional songs. See, I'm putting emphasis on traditional. They was traditional songs. They prayed a lot. Most of them prayed a lot. Traditional prayer. Testimony service. Our Father, which out of heaven. You know, now that's a prayer. That prayer was known as the Lord's Prayer. We had to pray. When we got to church, we had to pray before we go to bed, the Lord's Prayer. Testimony service. Oh, boy, I used to hate testimony service because I haven't had none. I never really had none to talk to about. I had to test a lie, make up something. So the Church of God in Christ had a service called testimony service. Started off like this most of the time. I first give honor to God, who's my Savior. I don't even remember. First give honor to God, my Lord and Savior, you know. I was doing this one day, and I know the Lord was in my life. He's my Lord and Savior. He's my Redeemer. And people start shouting or whatever like that. But then, you know, you talk about it can be the most corniest thing you're talking about. But you're giving God the praise. I thank the Lord for waking me up this morning. Then the whole church is shouting, yeah, amen, amen. That's tradition. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's just tradition. See? YPWW, that was a little like Sunday school, but it was like teaching us the word of God. YPWW, that's the acronym for Young People's Willing Worker and the Church of God in Christ. Think about your church, whatever programs you had in your church, whatever it is. See, all those was traditions. So just imagine you brought up in a family church. And that's really the only church you really know about. That's, you know, the type of style, how they move, the uh, Church of God of Christ, Pentecostal church, they love, they shout, they move, they sweat a lot, sweat a lot. You know, sometimes the sweat coming through the suits. They very loud, they running around, the women running around, and they speaking in uh, fake tongues. It's mostly the flesh, but I don't know what's fake, then I was scared of tongues, but they were speaking in crazy glossolalia and stuff like this I'm naming these words I didn't know nothing about then but it was always this church was always kind of I don't know emotional you know it's a lot of emotions emotions in the church of God in Christ
you know, that's before I knew about the history of the Zuzu, the Azusa movement with uh, the one that preacher they called him, black man, Reverend Seymour, and stuff like that. And, you know, the Church of God. I was brought up in that church, you know. You hear the old hymns, the old songs and stuff like that. Just imagine all that getting in your head. And then after getting in your head and getting in your heart, and you become conditioned. So that was my condition, tradi uh, traditional condition upbringing in the Church of God and Christ. I'm not going to get into how I got out of it. But that's a lot of tradition since infancy. I started branching out more uh, when I got out of uh, Chicago, when I left Chicago. But I wind up still with my uh, first marriage. And what do you know? Another Church of God and Christ church. So I was still in that bubble. So all those years of traditional upbringing, until I got saved, I was still in that traditional upbringing. But check this out. And I was going to those churches. Later on down the line, my mind started opening up. I started doing a little searching. And because what was being taught in those churches was very questionable. And it looked more, and I'm not saying it was, but it looked more demonic. And there was a lot of things pushed on you if you didn't do a certain thing or you didn't preach a certain way. Because it was all about the shout and the dance and stuff like that and the loudness. Emotions. It was all about emotions. And after a while, when you brought up in the church like that, after a while, you said, man, something got to be different, man. Is this all God? This is just kind of wacky, man. After a while, you start maturing a little bit if you don't get too conditioned in it. You know, thank God that I, you know, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, I finally got out of that denomination, you know, and stuff like that. But anyway, I want you to think about that. I don't want to tell a story about me, but I want you to think about that. If you was brought up in a church and you've been in that church for 20, 30 years, whatever like that. OK, it's a traditional upbringing. You was taught a certain way to be saved. Or how to be saved. Brothers, Acts 2.38, repent of your sins. Be baptized in water and filled with the Holy Spirit. See, Church of God in Christ, then you confess your sins. You go up to the altar. They didn't tell you that you can get saved at home or anywhere. You have to be in church. At least I was led to believe that. Because most people went up to the altar, even if they went every Sunday. Everybody was always going to be saved over again. I never understood that. Man, that meant that I believe, I believe, you know, I think the church believed that uh, losing your salvation. So that's why I stay on needles all the time and scared and nervous, you know, because, man, you can have be saved and then you're not saved because you sin. So it kept a lot of fear and doubt, uneasiness in me and that denominational upbringing. Now, what they do today, I don't know. But back then, you know. You walking on needles. How could you not walk on needles where you could think you could lose your salvation even if you ain't saved yet? See? Even if you ain't saved yet. The famous word was, but you better get saved or you're going to hell. Because my granddaddy, Papa, was a hell and damnation type of preacher. And I mean, he sit up there and preach, boy. He can sing. He played the good time. My dad also played the good time, you know, in the Church of God in Christ. And you get these powerful preachers out there. And I mean, they move. Someone was really good and everything like that, man. And certain preachers I wanted to see. You know, majority of the time I wanted to see if they had daughters. You know, we wanted to 
date the daughters, but that's another story. But some of these preachers get to preaching or whatever like that, man. And but the kids, the women had to wear their long dresses. They could not cut their hair, and they could not wear no makeup, like a lot of uh, Pentecostal, uh, universal Pentecostal churches do now. Not the uh, the. the uh, Church of God in Christ too much. They come in there looking like a club now, but the Universal Pentecostal Church, the way they have their women dressing, don't cut hair and wear the long dresses, everything covered, you know, that's how our church was then. Ain't nothing tell you, you better not, women better not have no cleavage showing, you better have, you, be, you, you better be wrapped up like an astronaut. <laughs> So they didn't have no way, makeup or nothing. Beautiful women. One, that's what's kind of rough. But the good thing about that, you got to see how they really looked. Because you got used to looking at a woman in church without makeup. And if they did put makeup on, they probably look ugly. You see that? You get to see a person, woman's natural looks first in the church of God and Christ. I can say that's a good thing. And if they got out of that church and stopped putting on makeup, they looked like like my grandpa used to call them Jezebels. And that, that's what he used to preach, Jezebels. You know, so I got you got used to seeing how a person look, a woman look without makeup because it was more restrictions on women than it was men. In the Church of God in Christ, it was more. It's most Pentecostal churches, you know, not today though. They just everywhere today, but you know, some of them. But it was more restrictions on women that it was men in the, uh, the Pentecostal church in the church of God and Christ you know more restrictions don't cut your hair women have beautiful hair you know stuff like that and uh, they still use hot, hot they use hot combs and stuff like that then you know even the men use hot combs you know press their hair that's what we used to call it press our hair whips my grandfather preach against boy men sitting up there pressing and whipping their hair you know that was no looking like a white man that's what he said looking like a white man trying to straighten out and process your hair that's saying you're going to hell everything was going to hell I mean you chew gum in church it seemed like you was going to hell because you chew gum and you young in the church you going to hell <laughs> I'm getting extreme but that's how it was you know so you always was hell and sin conscious in the church of God in Christ traditions now, how it is now, I'm sure it's a little different. They kind of tweaked and revised it now. But that's how it was. It was very strict. Just imagine being in something like that. Now, it might be different from you, but I'm just talking about tradition. Tradition is tradition. You see, tradition is tradition. And you do have some, a lot of churches that do that now. In the Baptist and Pentecostal church that do that now. They're more uh, on a parent's conscience more than right sound doctrine conscious they more about the looks and appearance and what you do for others so that's why you can talk to some of those type of uh, congregants uh, people that go to those churches and they are very 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 unknowledged about the word of God and they use scriptures out of context left and right and it's kind of sad and it's kind of sad so I've been in a church like that, you know. If I read, if I was taught out the, in the YPWW book, Young People's Willing Workers, 
that's the knowledge that I got. So what my point is, for me, the majority of growing up in the church spiritually, my knowledge from the Bible came from what my pastor said was in the Bible. Because you got to remember, I wasn't reading the Bible on my own then. I was forced to read it and forced to believe what my pastor was saying that was in that word. So I believed it. And it was the King James Version Bible. We had we didn't have no other translations. It was the King James Version Bible. Now, just imagine how hard that was. That language that we would have to obey and read. I remember the giant Bibles in my granddad's house because we didn't have a lot of my house, but my grandpapa's house because I, I used to live with my grandmother because I was I was I loved my grandma. I was crazy with my grandma, so I stayed there more than I stayed at home. I love my grandmama. I miss my grandmama. And uh, I remember the old family Bible. Remember that big white Bible with the, the the depiction of what people really thought Jesus looked like? You know, even in the black church, they had pictures of a white Jesus. Because what? Traditionally, they was tall. They was coerced to believe Jesus was white with blue eyes and long hair. See, all the other looks of Jesus came later, the black looks, but the majority of the black churches, they, they had pictures of Jesus being white, even some of their pictures. Now, that can be because of the, what the Catholic Church started that. Jesus, long hair, blue eye, and Caucasian looking. So even our Bibles and some of our pictures, now we had some other, some of our books, we had black, they used black characters, but I'm just saying sometimes you can see the picture of Jesus as Caucasian, blue-eyed Jesus. Now I'm talking as a black man in the black church. If you are Caucasian, I'm, I'm sure I'm, nine times out of ten, I can tell you, I bet you didn't have no black Jesus in your church. But a lot of black people had white Jesus in their church because they was coerced to believe that Jesus, they had been coerced to believe that Jesus was Caucasian, blue eyes, long hair, and handsome as I don't know what. He looks like the, the uh, ancient Fabian <laughs> with a beard. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about if you grew up in the black Pentecostal church. White church, you won't know nothing about that. But I can tell you right now, if he was in the white church, you didn't have no black Jesus posted in your church. He probably was the same white, long-haired Jesus. So the same Jesus you looked at to believe that was Jesus, that Caucasian look, a lot of black churches had the same looking Jesus. It's called traditions, imaging and traditions. See, you see the power of traditions? So that big Bible we had at home on the front of the page have a depiction of what people thought Jesus looked like. And it was a big white Bible that was opened up. It's called the Family Bible. I look at the Bible, it probably give me chills because it brings back memories, the Family Bible. A lot of people in that day stood on that word. They might not had it in context because a lot of them could not read. They was not educated as well, you know. And, but they, they tried to believe that Bible. They really thought they was believing what the Bible meant. Why did they do it? That because their forefathers taught them the same way. A lot of them probably came out closer to that Azusa time when that big movement of Pentecostalism started. A lot of, of my teachers and the ones that taught us came from that area or close from that era. The Bishop Masons and all those guys and uh, a lot of names that uh. The Patterson's and all that was in that era. 
So that's what we were surrounded with, you know. They came from an era. That's all they knew. So that's what I call the forefathers' traditions was brought down. You see what I'm saying? So what tradition, no church that you have been in? See? Now, the reason I went all the way about that is... <clears throat> if you have been listening to my podcast for the last few podcasts, you know what I I put a lot of emphasis on the gospel, salvation, uh, forgiveness of sins, and different things like that. You know, uh, if you've been listening to my show, what I'm about and what I teach. Okay. So if you are stuck in a traditional type of church, no matter which denominational church you are in, what I teach sounds foreign to you. The way I teach the Bible, the way I talk about Paul, the way I do what I, the lingo that I bring, I, I can almost guarantee a lot of you never heard this type of teaching in your traditional denomination. You never heard the salvation gospel, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 4, and probably would never hear it in your denominational church. You, you follow what I'm saying? I can almost guarantee tea that. See? So, since it's not lined up with your traditional beliefs, it's hard for you to swallow it, and most of you won't accept it. It sounds like it sounds like a, a cult. It sounds like a sect, and the reason it sounds like that because uh, it's not familiar, because we live and die by familiarity in society today. If it's not familiar, we call it fake, or we call it false, or we call it a lie, or we call it false doctrine. If we're not familiar with it. Pastor Paul went through the same thing with his Jewish brothers. Went through the same thing. Many leaders went through the same thing, you know, in the Bible. See? If it's not familiar, it's hard for you to relate. Because what? The we have been always often believed that the majority, if it's the majority, that means that it must be right what's been taught. The majority, that's the mind of traditional thinking that most of Americans and even the world when it comes to uh, the word of God, traditional belief is told as the majority. You know, that's why when they talk about Christians, they talk about millions and millions and millions of Christians and how many people came up to the Billy Graham uh, crusade and stuff like that. That's millions and millions and millions of Christians and everything like that because they look at the uh, Christendom as a whole. They look at all denominational churches, including the Catholic Church, and they look at it as a whole. And they, and they when they do surveys and data, they look at the whole numbers of the whole Christendom, denominational church. See? But the whole Christendom and denominational church is not the body of Christ, not in the body of Christ. Most of them are not. See? And you never heard that before. As Jesus said, the gate is narrow to heaven. The gate is narrow. Many will not find it. Many will not find it. And he said that to his disciples and the kids. 
all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. We made USAA insurance to help you save. Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at USAA.com slash bundle. USAA. Restrictions apply. In the program, it's the same today. See, it's the same today. See, Christendom, just remember this. Christendom is mostly a denomination, and a lot of them are self-made Christians. They are denomination. I'm not saying they're not part of the body of Christ, but you have very few in the whole Christendom around the world that's in the body of Christ. Like I say, only God knows who's really saved. See? That's why I put emphasis. If Paul's gospel is not being taught today, many of those people are just lost. Those millions and millions and millions. I don't care how many times they went to the altar. You notice people are always going back and forth to the altar, especially in the Pentecostal church, to confess their sins. See, they, 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 a lot of them probably have never even heard of 2 Corinthians 5 and 19, that God was not imputing sins on them. And if they did, their traditions and their conditioning won't let them see it. Satan has blinded them. So they cannot accept that because their traditions and their conditions won't let them see it. They're blind. It's like when you're looking in a dull glass or you got bad eyes. Like I got glaucoma in one eye and I close my good eye. I don't see nothing but just little grayish spots. That's how people look at when they see that. They just can't see it. And then the ones that do see it, they try to find other verses to contradict what their word is saying because of what? Traditional beliefs. They don't let the Holy Spirit teach them. They just believe more what their pastor and their traditional belief say about what the Bible says. That's the bad and scary part about denominational traditional beliefs. So what I am trying to do, uh, trying to help you all to do now, and which is not going to be easy for most people is to uncondition you out of traditions. Some will, most won't. Let me say that again. Some will to hear me, but most won't. Most of you, your salvation depends on it. Your eternity depends on it. Because you heard the message. And you found out the message that you heard, you're not really saved. Now you heard the message. Now, a lot of you probably did believe in the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's between you and God. See? So, if you already believe that you are already saved. But my point is to the ones that refuse to think that's, that's the gospel. They think it's other ways. I'm talking to them. And God only knows your heart. You can fool me, I said it a lot, but you can't fool the Holy Spirit. You can't fool God. See? I always remember you cannot fool God. You can't hoodwink and bamboozle God. You can't. 
You have to be genuine and sincere. He knows what you're thinking. He knows why you do things. He knows if you're really messing around when you say you believe what Jesus did. He knows when you're just trying to sneak in there. You can't get around that. God is all-knowing. He knows if you're for real or not. Just remember that. You can't fool him. You can't trick him like you can do man. They celebrate you and all that, and God knows you ain't saved. And he knows your real motive. So always remember, you cannot fool God. And I'm talking to the unbeliever or the one that think they are saved. But to the church, that's what's brought up in a traditional type of church. It's time to get out of that unconditioned and stuff like that. It's time to, un, I'm making up a word now, untraditionalize your tradition so you can help others to learn the sound doctrine, the fellowship of the mystery by the Apostle Paul. That's what I am boldly trying to get you to do, man and woman of God. Are you willing to do that? Because other people's salvation is dependent on it. Not yours, you already are saved. But other people that you witness to, their salvation depends on it. What do you mean by that, Joe? I can talk to you now. But I told you the way of salvation. I told you about the gospel all through my messages. Now you don't have no excuse. Before then, yes. But you hear it now. And you don't have no excuse now. And if you continue not to even just check out or backtrack what I've been telling you and continue to preach that gospel, it becomes false gospel. It continues to be false gospel and you're not helping the people that you're talking to. At least let them listen to my tape and everything like that and let me talk to them. Don't get, don't think you are controlled over people you witness to or you, they just need to hear what you said. Let them hear other avenues. Share my podcast with them. I will give them some information. I will send them to other, you know, other teachers and ministers and the Lord, you know. But my point is what you're hearing now, you you cannot turn your ears off. You you heard the way of salvation, whether you believe it or not. It's up to you to search it. Okay? I want to help you to get out of this traditional type of thinking or doctrine. And, and get into the sound doctrine that's for you today, okay? Now, I'm going to stop right here because the next time I'm going to tell you how you can. You probably already know. It's just a matter of you uh, getting up and get out of your laziness and really just really pursuing this. And I don't mean that to say that harsh, but sometimes we are lazy or we are scared. We are scared we're going to find out the truth and we're going to find out it's a possibility that the church we are in, the doctrine and salvation and stuff like that, is not the gospel and you are scared. And then you're scared of what decision should I make now? Should I stay in this church or what should I do? I'm going to leave that up to you. But I know one thing uh, you cannot say that I, 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 I put it out there for you. I put it out there for you, okay? We have been told a lot of lies, most of it, a lot, I'm not going to say most, but a lot of it purposely and a lot of it out of ignorance, ignorance when it came to our church because of traditions. 
Now, it's not a lot of their fault. It's Satan. The enemies is the master over there. I'm exposing him. He's the master. He's the master of confusion. It's not your fault. It's Satan's. See, he will have you to believe what I'm talking about. And others that teach like me is lying and teaching false doctrine and trying to lead you astray. And many others, if they hear uh, you, if you approach your church and tell them what I've been teaching or let them listen to it, they will say it's false. They will say I'm misled. They will say dispensation is not of God. They will say all that. I'm just preparing you now. And I want you to. I want you to. But just remember. Just remember. Go back to what I'm teaching you. Look in the Bible yourself. Think in your heart. Especially when it comes to Pentecostal church. A lot of things that I teach you that's saying that's happening, you know good and well those things are not happening. You're not seeing real signs and wonders. And if you are seeing something like that, it's demonic. Why? Because it's demonic because the uh, the true sound doctrine is not coming out of that poor pit. God is not going to manifest himself in signs and wonders anyway because it has ceased. That was for Israel. See? So some of you say, yeah, I seen this person coming along. Uh, yeah, okay, you seen some, you seen you seen a person come along, you seen this and different things. How do you know that? How close were you to that person? How sure you know that person was dead? I ain't talking about a person that died and then he was revived or she was revived. I heard of those stories. Babies working up, waking up in coffins and stuff like that. I heard of those stories. I can't verify it. I'm not saying that's wrong. See, but my point is your heart can't stop and start back. That don't mean it was a miracle. Or, you know, people coming out of wheelchairs and different things like that. Whatever tradition you see in your church, almost a lot of dominations is not about signs and wonders. They know it's not for today, but the doctrine. Check the movement in your church. Look at the history of your church, of your denomination. Check out the history of your denomination, the good and the bad reviews. <laughs> see, don't just look for the good ones of your denomination. Look for the bad reviews, people that's against that movement and against it. Look at both of them. That's going to be hard for a lot of y'all. Look at both reviews. See, most people don't see, they want to see the bad reviews. They don't want to see nothing bad because they, they're scared they're going to find some truth because there's a lot of things these negative reviews are saying, they see it themselves. But they have been conditioned. You have been conditioned by tradition. <clears throat> Okay, that's all I'm asking you to do. Okay, the next time I'm going to give you some ideas what you, what you can do to get unconditioned. It's going to take some tough, strict decisions. It is. It's going to take some tough, strict decisions to uncondition yourself. I'm not telling you to leave your church. <clears throat> I'm talking about how you can truly grow in the things of God. It's going to have to be strict, tough decision because all those years you've been in the denomination of traditional churches is not easy to take off. But you must take it off. You must take it off. And I'm going to give you a little pointers how, but it won't be easy. It's going to be strict. <clears throat> it might be easy for most because they're looking for that, but I'm just saying for the ones that 
you know, and a lot of you are not going to do it. I know that, but I'm just, you know, not making you, not trying to coerce you, but just warning you. I am warning you for the other people say that you might witness to. You see what I'm saying? So I'm going to talk about that. Then I'm going to get into the physical part, which this is for the church and everybody that listens to my show. And I'm going to talk about, uh, I've got into the tradition, so I don't need to get about traditions about diets and foods and stuff like that, how we was coerced to believe a certain way we eat. I'm going to talk about a certain <clears throat> diet that I am on. And I believe wholeheartedly, especially if you are an obese person, not a person just want to lose five or 10 pounds, but really obese, you have a lot of health issues and stuff like that. This is the diet that could change your life physically. I believe that. See, see, because the diet works, especially for weight loss, the uh, the health it, the health reverses is is a progress, and it's how people have had their health reversed. But I know, without a doubt, this is the best diet, and you can lose the weight faster than any other diet, unless you just have eaten, unless you on an intermittent uh, intermediate fasting. I want to talk about that, but I want to talk about the the traditional way of diets that's holding a lot of people back of what they have been trained or conditioned to believe that will keep people from getting on this diet. Okay, I want to talk about that, and you know what I don't want to talk about. Okay, now salvation. <clears throat> None of this means nothing if you're not spiritually assured of your salvation none of this what I have just said will mean nothing if you don't have eternal security if you don't know your eternal security if you don't know how to be saved see you can take what I'm saying or even just find another church or everything like that but you have to understand and ask yourself are you eternally secured are you saved See, for the believers, I was talking about. Oh, you can you could take what I have told you and start researching that stuff now. T do a history check on your church, not the good side. Believe me, it's a negative side about any denomination. It's both sides. No matter what faith you believe, it's going to always be pros and cons. Stop! Don't be afraid of the cons. That will help you grow and think and question. Because you're going to have your cons. Everything about your church is pros, and you are not pros, and you know that there is some cons. There is bad reviews on every denomination. So I don't want you to dwell on your pamphlets, your little books that you have in your church, your your creed or your uh, organizational things like that, because they're going to only tell you good things about their denominations. See, look at bad reviews purposely look for bad reviews and I'm not saying all of them are correct but look at bad reviews and then look at the history see look at what they teach compared to dispensational teaching look up dispensational teaching and I don't like that word because it's used out of whack sometimes look at dispensational and just start comparing do that 
do that. Start comparing the theology from your denominational teaching compared to dispensational teaching. Do that yourself. Start comparing. Start comparing. Would you do that? That's a, that's one. I'm give you a head start. Start doing that. Look up dispensational theology, dispensational teaching, because you're gonna have a lot of bad reviews on dispensational teaching, as well as any. I can look up Calvinist or Catholic or Luther, whatever church you in, and find something bad as well as find something good. So do that the same with dispensation. I want you to. Matter of fact, I really, really want you to, and just compare it to what your church teaches. Okay. But right now, assurance of salvation. See, to way to be saved, to way to have eternal life, to way the way only way to go to the heavenly places today is is from one gospel. That's the gospel of the grace of God. Acts twenty and twenty four. The teachings of the Apostle Paul, the gospel of salvation today is believing in the death, the burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, faith alone, believing in that. First Corinthians 15, 1 to 4. You have been assured of salvation when you believe that. Nothing you have to confess, nothing you have to repent of, change your mind of. Because your sins have been dealt with 2,000 years ago, according to 2 Corinthians 5 and 19. God has already reconciled himself to you, according to 2 Corinthians 5 and 18. Now you can be reconciled back to God by believing what he has done for you, by believing he took care of all your sins, by believing that he died and rose again and was resurrected for all of that, your sins and everything. You believe that, you will be saved. I, I'm gonna keep saying that, I'm gonna keep throwing it out there. Okay, I love you all. I love you all. God bless you all. This is Joseph Brownlee, Body of Christ, Real Talk. Body of Christ, Real Talk. And like I have often done on my last few endings, I try to keep throwing it out there so you can just get in your head so you can get in your heart, as I often say on both of my podcasts, including Connecting the Dots, my Bible study teaching podcast. For the ones that are saved, I recommend Connecting the Dots. Go there. I'm doing a teaching on the book of Colossians. I'm going into chapter two, so you still have time to go there. The book of Colossians that I'm teaching on and this other uh teachings on there, not only for myself, but other uh, ministers and God anyway, from the body of Christ. You can't go wrong. All right. I'll leave you with this. When it comes to forgiveness of sins, remember this, really remember, you do not have to be saved first. You don't have to repent of your sins to God is like saying what sins what what sins see it's what sins to God he don't see no sins you don't have to repent of your sins because there's no sins to repent of it's all on Jesus so your sins have been forgiven forgiven 
God is not imputing sins on no one in this world under this grace period, which is not going to last longer under this dispensation. That's only under this dispensation, not the next one coming up in the tribulation period, not the second coming of Jesus. It's only in this dispensation that he's not charging no one with sins. He didn't he did not do that in the kingdom program when Jesus was on the earth either because Jesus was still alive. See, it's only in this dispensation and he only revealed it to the Apostle Paul. And that you're only going to find this type of teaching through the teachings and the 13 letters of the Apostle Paul, which is our apostle. He's the apostle to the Gentiles. He says that several times in his letters. Not because he's bragging, it's just who he is called to be. So under the grace period is faith alone. Faith alone. Nothing else. Not works. Works come because you are saved. Not because you're trying to be saved. Okay? Works come after salvation. Under the grace alone period. We are the mystery church, the hidden church that was hidden God, and it was only revealed to the Apostle Paul. We are the church of the fellowship of the mystery church. Terms you never heard in your denomination. And if you heard it, it was out of context. But it's what's going on today, and it's been going on over 2,000 years ago. It's nothing new. It's just been knocked out of whack and uh, distorted by Satan. That's why you got so much different teachings. Satan done it on purpose because he don't want you to know the truth. It's not about the majority. You better start looking at the minority. There's strength and numbers in the minority. Even though we are smaller, they were smaller back then. Paul wound up being by himself. The disciples had small groups. Most of God, people that God used in the Bible wasn't giant. Even in the wilderness, they came out down to a few that only made it through. The rest of them got wiped out by the serpents. God always, the judges, he used few. Gideon, all few. It was always a minority that God used. He hasn't changed. It's still the minority today. Think about that. That God is going to use, is going to make it to heaven. It's that minority, and it's the teaching of the Apostle Paul. They rejected his message then, just like they reject it now. The majority rejects Paul's message, and they got it all up in their church. They mix it with the kingdom. They reject his message, the message of Jesus. This is Jesus' heavenly message that most churches are rejecting. They done it back then. It's nothing new. Come on, come on. I'm trying to help you. Don't miss the boat. Don't miss the boat. Now, let me finish with this. You don't have to be saved first to be forgiven. You have already been forgiven from every sin, past, present, and future. That's, I'm talking to the lost now. When I got saved... My sins was already forgiven. My sins wasn't cleansed when I got saved. It was already forgiven. That's how I was able to be saved. My sins was already forgiven. So God did not say no sins on me because it was on his sons. That's the only way I was able to be saved because my sins was already wiped out. It had to be that way. He had to get rid of the sins first before he can reconcile himself to you. 
God do not allow no sin in his, his heavenly places. The sin has to be wiped out first. You can't repent of nothing that you can never get rid of. You can't repent of your sins. Nobody can stop sinning. And God knew that. That's why he done it done it for you through his son. He got rid of that first. Ain't no way we can do it. When somebody sees you to repent of your sins, what? no, there's no sins God see. No human being on this earth can repent of sins or stop sinning. Only one was sinless on this earth was Jesus. Paul, Peter, James, nobody else was sinless. The law could not make nobody sinless. They had 613 laws besides the Ten Commandments they had to follow. Why you think Jesus done what he done? He had to get rid of the sin because man wasn't able to stop sinning. We was born in sin because of Adam. So the old traditional way of repenting of your sins or confessing your sins or saying Jesus come to your heart. No, 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 no. It ain't about your sins. That don't mean you won't sin no more. That don't mean God don't hate sin. That don't mean God, despite still don't, that don't mean all of a sudden God loves sin. No, he hates sin. That's why he put it on his son. To give you the opportunity to be reconciled back to him. So when he see you, he don't see sin. That don't make you good and righteous and good. No, it's just the sin part he does not see. You could be a heathen and a wretched and a pervert. And once you sincerely give your heart to God, that's how you can say, believe what his son done, because the sin of yours is on Jesus. That's why you are able, anybody is able to be saved because God is not charging them with sin. Ain't no favoritism. He just ain't charging nobody with sin. We are not under the condemnation of God like it was in the past. We are under grace. You need to understand what is grace. God bless you all. Think about that. Until next time, peace out. Bye-bye. Love you all. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday.